Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Here we are Wednesday during this first week of October. I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. All right, who do you think is the greatest musical band of all time? Not just a single musician, an actual rock band. Who do you think is the all-time best? If you said the Beatles, you're correct. Yes, Nick, you are correct. Uh, Now, I know, I know, taste in music is subjective, but... I really do stand by the Beatles being the greatest rock band ever. They had an influence like no other on the development of popular music, along with writing this incredible catalog of hit song after hit song after hit song within the span of only about eight years. Now, a few years ago, the Beatles, that uh, the topic came up in conversation while a few of us were here talking in one of the studios at Relevant Radio. This wasn't on the air. This was just in the studio space behind the scenes. And one of my coworkers is we're having this conversation. I'm not going to say his name, partly because I'm a little ashamed for him, but also I don't want him to take any flack for saying this, so I'll keep him anonymous. But he said, and he was completely serious when he said this, he said, I think the Beatles are overrated, completely overrated. And the rest of us in the room we just stopped talking for a few seconds. We were speechless. I think our mouths were agape. But then we all started giving him a bad time and explaining all the ways he was wrong. Whether or not you think the Beatles are the greatest band ever, um, they really are in my mind. I had the chance to see Paul McCartney in concert a few years ago, one of my all-time top favorite concerts I've ever been to. But I also went and saw a Beatles tribute band a number of years ago, a a tribute band that actually tours all around the country. I think they actually even travel internationally. And they're a very good tribute band. They're called the Fab Four. They sound really spot on when performing live. They even have this Ed Sullivan impersonator that's part of the show. He, uh, the one we went to, he'd come out to introduce the band. He'd be back out a couple points during the concert, adds a bit of levity. And the show that my wife and I went to, it had two parts with an intermission. The first half covered a lot of their early hits going up through the albums Help and Rubber Soul. And then they rounded out the rest of the catalog in the, in the second half. But One song that you would naturally expect to hear at a show like this was Yesterday, that beautiful song that's written by Paul McCartney. And this was performed toward the end of that first half of the concert. And the performer, who was in that role of Paul McCartney, he sat down on a stool, had the acoustic guitar, began to play, and then began to sing. And up on the big screen that was behind him, while he was playing... There was a video that came up of an old recording of a performance of yesterday. 
it was grainy, it was black and white, but the performer on the stage there, the live performer, he was matching all of the movements from the video almost perfectly. It was honestly a bit uncanny to see that old footage and how the performer replicated it so well. Well, after the concert, I stuck around for a little while, and when that Paul McCartney performer, he came back out, I went up and I asked him about that video of yesterday, how he matched its movements so perfectly. If it took him a lot of time, you know, weeks or even months just of practicing to get his live performance to sync up so closely. And he gave me a little bit of a smile and he said, well, the video, it was actually him. It wasn't the real Paul McCartney. But he looked the role, that role of Paul McCartney, he looked it enough. And with the editing that they did to the video, making it look grainy and poor quality and just old footage, it usually fooled most people in the audience. And I was one of those. I'd been taken in by it too. Sometimes that happens to us. Something looks authentic on the surface. But if you dig a little deeper, you learn it's not the genuine article. For some areas of life, like a Beatles tribute concert, this really doesn't matter all that much. But then in other areas of life, it matters a lot. And sometimes we don't even know enough to distinguish what is true and authentic and genuine from something that only appears to be real on the surface. One of the most common areas where we see this in the church today is when it comes to the sacrament of marriage. My wife and I, we had this experience early in our own marriage. We had a civil marriage, one that was recognized by the government, by the state. But it wasn't a sacramental marriage. So we had to fix that. And there's a lot of confusion about what does or does not make for a valid sacramental marriage. Today on The Inner Life, we hope to help clear up some of that confusion. We want to look at the proper understanding of the sacrament of marriage and what you can do if your marriage is not sacramental. We also want to discuss what happens when a marriage receives a declaration of nullity, what we commonly refer to as an annulment. And joining us is our spiritual director for the hour today. I'm very glad to have back with us Father Ramil Fajardo. Father Ramil is a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He is a resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral. He's also a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal. Additionally, he serves as the director of liturgy and the cardinal's delegate for the St. James Chapel and the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center. And finally, he is the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Father Ramil, welcome back to The Inner Life. Good morning, Josh. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. And it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Before we start diving into the topic of marriage, though, I understand you have a big event that's coming up at the end of next week for the Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Well, uh, we do. It's a it's an unveiling of a statue of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, which will be actually installed at Holy Name Cathedral. We Cardinal Supich has been a great supporter of Mother Cabrini's vision of mission, and especially in our times today when we're talking about immigration and health care and education, Mother Cabrini, as our first American citizen saint, is a wonderful, wonderful example. So uh, thank you to Holy Name Cathedral, especially Father Greg Sackwitz, our rector here at the cathedral, for allowing us to install a beautiful new statue of Mother Cabrini and a reliquary, too. So is this unveiling of the statue, is it open to anyone? 
It is open to anyone. Come to our website, both the Shrine's website and Holy Name Cathedral's, and sign up for a, for a seat. We're, we're, we're hoping for a nice turnout to celebrate our first American citizen saint. Good. And for those listening across the country, this is in the Chicago area. So if you're close by, uh, make plans to attend. If you want to make the trip in, by all means, <laughs> do it. Uh, you got about a week and a half to plan it out. So if you want to make that drive in, uh, it's coming up next Saturday. Is that correct? The 15th? Saturday the 15th at 12 p.m. Good, good. All right. Well, so, Father, let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about annulments. Um, Marriage itself is a sacrament, and that's probably a really good starting point for anybody who is listening that might not be familiar with what that means. Can you just explain what a sacrament is? Right. The... Here we go with uh, with basic catechism. <laughs> right. A, a, the sacrament, and the bishops have a wonderful uh, definition of it on their website. And it's a sign of God's grace in our lives. And the bishops have it written as uh, the visible reality. Uh, we recognize that the sacraments have a visible and an invisible reality, a reality open to all the human senses, but grasped in its God-given depths with the eyes of faith. So when we talk about a sacrament, it is God's way of, tr- of giving us his own grace, his own divine life. And we find that, first and foremost, with the first of all sacraments, baptism, which cleanses us from original sin and makes us a new creation in Christ. And with the sacraments of in- initiation and vocation, we have then after that um, reconciliation, we have confirmation, then we have Eucharist, and then we move on to the other sacraments, which, again, with God's help, especially Christian marriage, as well as ordin- sacred orders, ordination, to uh, diaconate, priesthood, and episcopacy. Those two vocations, uh, sacraments of vocation, having been built upon the basics, uh, sacraments of the Christian life, now move onward into how we live God's vocation. And as a, you know, thank you, thank you for bringing this up. As I tell people all the time, we all have vocation. We're all called. How we choose to express that is up to us. So if those who are preparing for marriage, remember, God first, because it takes three to get married, as Fulton Sheen wrote Mm -hmm. in his very famous book. And for any young men who are thinking about it, or even older men, you know, I was a a later vocation myself. I entered the seminary at 34. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. You know, both vocations, as because everyone has a call to respond. Mm. And how you choose to respond, that's on you. God loves you regardless, but he is calling each and every one of us. So the sacraments are God's presence in our lives in a very tangible way. I uh, want to open up the phone lines here, too, just because this is one of those topics where we typically get a lot of phone calls, a lot of questions as we talk about marriage, as we talk about divorce, as we talk about annulments. And maybe you have that question of what the Catholic Church teaches, especially regarding marriage and annulments. Maybe you've gone through the annulment process. We'd love to hear how that helped you in your own life and your vocation, as, as uh, Father Emil was just talking about, and especially as you were able to find healing there. Um, you know, I, I've spoken with so many people who've told me that going through that annulment process really is a healing process, helped them 
to find closure to maybe something that they were going through personally, but also allowed them to grow closer to Christ through that process. Our phone number here, if you'd like to call and speak with Father Emil, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. So how, you know, marriage is one of those things where we have we have two different uh, you know, components to it. I mentioned in my own marriage, my wife and I, we didn't realize she had grown up Catholic, baptized, even was confirmed, but there wasn't the knowledge on her part that we had to be married in the church, that there was this sacramental component to it. And I think for a lot of people my age and a little older, um, you know, if you were raised in the church, there's this, you know, this kind of uh, lack of catechesis that happened for a generation of people, of, of, of uh, Catholics growing up in the church. It wasn't until I was actually on my journey into the church as I was learning from the outside about the church that I, I realized, wait, I don't think we have a sacramental marriage. And then at that point said, well, yeah, you know, my wife, who she wanted to go to Mass and receive the Eucharist, we need to get this fixed because you're you're technically not in the sacramental marriage. Can you kind of walk us through the difference between a civil marriage, a sacramental marriage, and how one might not mean that you have the other? Right. A a Christian, a baptized, validly baptized Christian, has the obligation to follow Christ. We're all we're all clear on that. For those of us who have been granted the gift of faith. We're all called to follow our Savior. So therefore, there should be a deep love for our Lord and always empowered by the Holy Spirit who was sent by the Father and the Son. So it's a Trinitarian love. And that expression of communio, that communion with the, uh, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that, that should be the model by which we look at all of life, that there is a communion of sorts. So a Christian is called to love God above all things. Now, when we express our vocation in Christian marriage, then those of us who have the gift of faith follow and practice that faith every single day of our lives, every moment of our lives. So where do we go from here? We, first and foremost, we, in, we encounter Christ in our prayer and in our, and in our daily lives. Our family lives should be the domestic church, right? Right, Josh. You know, it's the domestic church. Sure. Everyone, everyone should be praying at home, and and in a very natural sort of way. This is an outpouring of the love that's that God has placed in our hearts to begin with. And admittedly, it's always a struggle. That's why we have weekly mass. <laughs> you know, we need each other. So, when it comes to marriage, a man and a woman understand that they ask for God's blessing. It's kind of like what we call the vernacular expression, but we want God's blessing. No, you want, you. in addition to that, God's blessing is his very presence, his very life in that marriage. And therefore, a, uh, a, a Christian couple, is, and for, the, for us who are Catholics, who are validly baptized, are called to follow the church, uh, the church's exhortation and rules about getting married in the church, that the church recognizes God's presence in those words. You know how it says at the end of the Gospel of St. John, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. That actually comes alive when a husband and wife say, I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. Yeah. That vow, 
that consent brings Christ truly present, that is a sacrament. God is truly present in that couple because God himself is there. Those words come alive in Jesus Christ because it is Jesus Christ. That is the treasure that the church expects our Catholic folk to understand and to know and to live. God himself is truly present in those words because they make Jesus present. They exercise their priesthood of the faithful. Hmm. You know, one of the other things that might be good to talk about here, too, as you're talking about Jesus realized and recognized in that vocation, that that marital relationship there, so often in our contemporary society, we have marriage looked at as a contractual agreement. Mm-hmm. And marriage really is a covenant. And mm-hmm. can you kind of help walk us through the difference in understanding what it really means to be in a covenant, a covenantal relationship, as opposed to just having a contractual agreement that we're in this relationship until one of us wants to leave? Right. Well, it's interesting. My classmates always... My classmates always love to watch my expression on watch expression on my face when we get to the difference between a covenant and uh, and a contract because I'm a canon lawyer and we operate on the level of of contracts. Right. But the whole idea is that a contract is you're obligated to do something, and on the premise that you do not fulfill those ends, there is an out, and that's not a covenant. A covenant is a profound exchange that does not get undone. It is a profound exchange of uh, promises, a, a, a totality of given, uh, giving that is simply not negotiable after, after, at a certain point. It is, when I do this, I covenant with you in good times and in bad. The beauty of the church's ritual whether it's in the original Latin or in whatever vernacular language, it really defines covenant. So I go back to the words of the ritual, the older ritual. It's been slightly changed. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. I've asked couples that I prepared for marriage to sit with those words, and I say this is not beyond the capability of, of the average person. Sit and look at those words individually, look at them as a couple of words, as a sentence, and you will see covenant in action right there. That is, to me, the definition of covenant. You can even hear God saying that to us, that we can be sure that God will never abandon us. So the genius of the Catholic ritual, when we say these words, we don't have to define covenant in a legalistic sort of way. It is an exchange that has no end because it is a totality of giving. So I love those words of the ritual. Yeah. In fact, you know, any 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 person can use that as a prayer when they talk to God. When we talk to God, I promise to be true to you, God. You're my maker. You're my beloved. I promise, with your help, to stay faithful as much as I can. And then the other sacraments kick in, like uh, reconciliation and confession. Yeah. Well, and it helps us to have in marriage that 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 little bit of an insight into the triune god you know the right. love that's expressed between father son and holy spirit that 
is so real there that it, we say God is love, not just simply God loves or has love, but right. he literally is love between those three persons. And that's that's a brilliant entree into what Benedict XVI wrote in his encyclical, Deus Caritas Est, God mm-hmm. is love, quoting 1 John 12, I think around verse 14. There's no fear in love because perfect love drives away all fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Beautiful. Uh, again, talking with Father Ramil Fajardo here today on The Inner Life. He is a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal in the Archdiocese of Chicago, and we're taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, Father, before we go to the break, let's talk to Mary, who's listening in Minnesota. Mary, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you on the air. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I was married outside of of the Catholic Church um, back in 83, and not practicing my faith at all. And I married a man um, out in the park with a judge, and he's Jewish and was married before. Then into our marriage after children, and I came back to the faith and practicing and raising our kids, I talked to a priest who did this um, kind of a a blessing on our 13th anniversary, and he, I think it was called Convalidation. Okay. I'm wondering if my marriage is a sacrament, if I should be receiving all the the sacraments, Eucharist, reconciliation, and so forth. Okay. Excellent question. Um, for anyone who's listening, I'm just going to do an immediate caveat. Always speak to your local pastor, as as well as if you can talk to your local tribunal because circumstances are very different and there's only so much I can actually advise um, in the in the circumstance that we're in however you use the term convalidation which is a canonical term which to me suggests that your pastor did the paperwork to investigate your uh, your husband's prior marriage and with the church's understanding and permission was able to what we call convalidate your current the, the the marriage that you confected with your with your current husband that was the issue that word convalidation is a technical term now since i don't know the circumstances i can only presume that the, your pastor at the time did the paperwork and took care of it and if it's all Copacetic. If everything was taken care of, then of course you're—that's the purpose—is to welcome you back into the sacraments, and to to joyfully celebrate with you the sacrament of matrimony. So uh, that's why I'm always being very careful. Please speak with your pastors. Your circumstances require a very personal touch. But I think it, I think it sounds okay. You use the you use the word that we would tell a couple. Okay, this is the procedure to follow: a convalidation. Yeah, great question, Mary. Thanks for calling in. And if you're listening and you'd like to join the program, as today we talk about marriage, talk about the annulment process, what that really means in regards to marriage, you're welcome to call in with your questions about marriage, about divorce, about annulments, or maybe you've gone through that process of annulment and you'd like to share how it has helped you in your own faith journey, in your spiritual progress as you grow in relationship with Christ. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Emil Fajardo 
888-914-9149, and we'll be back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters Studio Line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Speaking today with Father Ramil Fajardo, a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, part of the Metropolitan Tribunal. He's a judge there and deals with uh, sacramental marriage, that question, and annulments that are given, those declarations of nullity. And maybe you have a question about marriage, about divorce, or about the annulment process. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Ramil. Uh, also want to mention that this month of October is the month of the Rosary, And if you just heard the cute little promo there that was running right before we came back to the show, Father Rocky on the Family Rosary Across America, speaking with those three adorable children that called in. Well, I'd like to encourage you, especially if you don't pray the rosary regularly, make this month that month to start that habitual, that daily prayer of praying the rosary. And a great way to do that is join Father Rocky each evening at 7 o'clock Central and pray the family rosary across America. Thousands of people around the country, even around the world, join together to pray the rosary every night at 7 o'clock Central. And so it's a great month to do that since this is the month of the rosary. Uh, But again, here during this hour, we're talking about marriage, talking about annulments, and welcoming your phone calls at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father, before we go back to the phones, maybe a couple things we can talk about real briefly. Mary, we just spoke with her before the break, and there was that confusion on her part, even though she used, as you mentioned, that word convalidation, a technical term that really kind of points most likely to the fact that everything is is probably okay with her marriage, that it is sacramental. Um, I mentioned my wife and I, you know, we didn't have that sacramental marriage early in our marriage. We had the the civil marriage that was there, but we had to go in and have that convalidation as well. Uh, one of the things that might weigh on somebody, especially if they don't know for sure, is my marriage sacramental or is it not, is the church, if I'm correct, usually gives the benefit of the doubt to the law, the government, and if there's a recognized civil marriage until it's proven that it's not a sacramental marriage, usually the church will say, well, based on the information that we at least have in the present moment, we're going to assume that your marriage is is sacramental as well as civil. Well, the usual arrangement in the United States, in fact, not usual, the arrangement in the United States is that the church recognizes the state's authority to regulate marriage because the church, according to the law, always works in conjunction with the civil authorities for good order and as, as neighbors and partners in, you know, in society. The church, however, says we define marriage. We indicate who is married or not. 
the state only is concerned that it regulates it. So the, the, our couples go to their local jurisdiction to obtain a marriage license. The state doesn't care where you get married as long as you get permission from them with this via this license. So as far as we in the Catholic Church are concerned, we will celebrate the sacrament of matrimony and we will decide therefore when it is valid. When is it valid? When we marry the couple. Mm. Right? Uh, that, that's and such always a good in conjunction point. Yeah. with the state. No, I was just going to say that's such a good point. The 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 uh, distinction between regulate, you know, the regulation of marriage done by the state versus defining marriage done by the church. Mm -hmm. And again, it it is the sacrament of matrimony. Uh, The church, in fact, very recently changed the ritual so that it's now the sacrament of matrimony. Obviously, coming from the root mater, matris. And therefore, it indicates very clearly the the life-giving dimension of our sacrament. It is life-giving from Mater. So the Church very recently, last two or three years, changed it to the sacrament of matrimony to, again, highlight and strengthen our understanding that this is a life-giving sacrament in the way of the covenant between husband and wife, between man and woman. Uh, Father, so let's talk about, just real briefly here, and I want to get back to the phones uh, quick here, but uh, what do we actually mean when we talk about an annulment or the annulment process or that declaration of nullity? What What is really being said when we use those terms, those phrases? Very good question. Um, I personally do not like the word annulment uh, because it's not accurate. You were saying earlier about the uh, the validity of the marriage we presume that a man and a woman who stand before a delegated authority and this is this is where it kind of gets a little complex but if a man and a woman stand before a delegated authority and exchange promises appropriately in front of witnesses that marriage is presumed valid now here's the distinction that you were making earlier a roman catholic a catholic of us of, of the Latin rite, we marry by exchanging vows in front of a priest or a deacon in front of witnesses. They say very specific words which, when you follow the church's ritual, are the guarantee that the sacrament has been administered. Non-Catholics can marry in the way that their ritual church or even atheists if two atheists choose to get married in front of a civil judge and they have witnesses then we presume that they meant to marry that, uh, that's that is the distinction i think they were trying to make earlier that as catholics we are expected to exchange promises in the catholic way a catholic marries as a catholic and others follow their ritual and we presume that they mean to get married if they follow what their other ritual or uh, group dimension expects. Yeah, see, this is why you're the expert explaining everything, because that's exactly <laughs> what I was asking. Uh, but but you've just given it such a, a clear explanation there, Father. So, and, and again, as far as, as, far as the uh, exchange of the sacraments are concerned, once that happens, and especially because the, the parish, the priest or deacon, does an extensive prenuptial investigation to make sure, do you understand 
does your family understand? Do you promise? Do you know what the word promise means? Do you know what life giving means? Do you all these questions? We presume you are a man or a woman in your right mind. You know what you're doing. So annulments is not a good word. It would be a declaration of nullity. Very good. Father, let's go back to the phones. And again, if you're listening and you'd like to call in as we talk about marriage, as we're answering questions, Father Ramil Fajardo answering questions about what it means to have a sacramental marriage, what it means to receive that declaration of nullity, uh, maybe talking about civil divorce if you have a question regarding that and how it impacts marriage or that declaration of nullity. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Ramil, 888-914-9149. You can also email us in life at relevantradio.com. Again, the phone number 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Jerry who's calling in from Southern California. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to the program. You're on the air. Good morning, Josh, and good morning, Father Fajardo. Good morning. Um, I, good morning. Um, I was calling because I am currently in the process of an annulment, and um, in the event that I am unable because I'm having difficulties with finding my former spouse or any of the family members um, what happens in this in this scenario um, is that I'm unable to um, contact him well that's a tough one because as marriage was a a public ceremony a, de- a declaration of nullity procedure is also a public event. In other words, the parties that were involved need to be notified, right? <laughs> so since the the actual procedure is a questioning of the validity of the consent the parties made at a certain point in time in front of witnesses, we ask that a party challenging that validity needs to present witnesses along with their testimony. Is it impossible to continue without the other party? Um, if there, if if he has already been deceased, well, you know, then the marriage has technically ended, correct? Because until death do us part, as Hollywood would say, but it's still the truth. Uh, all the days of my life until death do us part. First question is: Is he already deceased? Uh, you know, has he has he been called home to God? If he is just simply unreachable, the tribunal and the parties challenging that consent are to make as best of an effort to locate him. And when I say that, I mean, it has to be very rigorous. You have to find that other party. And we will, uh, the tribunals will help a party as much as they can. And I, I think it's also harder in today's age with the age of Google and and all the other uh, location services um, it's a very connected world the tribunals will try to help try to uh, to locate him all right but speak with your judge who's helping you and see what they're going to do if they simply cannot find him jerry i hope that's helpful and thanks for calling in and uh, you know there, there's going to be a lot of people calling in with questions and father maybe before we go any further um, you know just to turn this over to our lord um, could i ask you to maybe just offer a prayer right now for jerry and so many other people who are kind of in these difficult situations yes amen you know, dear lord through the intercession of saint faustina kowalska whose memorial we celebrate this day 
help us to understand that divine mercy is what we count upon and above all things as beloved children you will never abandon us mm -hmm. in all things read our hearts and grant us an outpouring of your divine mercy now and always we ask this through christ our lord amen amen, amen. all right thank you father uh let's go to susan who's calling in from california susan glad to have you here on the program you're on the air with father ramil Thank you. My question is, do both parties have to be baptized in order for it to be a sacrament of matrimony? Or is it, if just one party is baptized, is it just, a, not just, but is it a valid marriage only? Can you explain? Sure. A, parties who are bap validly baptized by the very sign of baptism raises it to a sacrament okay so if two validly baptized persons this is the code of canon law canon 1055 for those who are interested uh, it the sacrament is raised the, the the marriage itself is raised the dignity of a sacrament between the baptized so if two validly baptized persons enter into marriage matrimony then it is raised to the dignity of a sacrament a validly baptized person can marry a non-baptized person in a mixed marriage and it is given the church's blessing but it is not raised to that level of a sacrament because that sacrament must be uh, is found within the baptized now that is a valid marriage with the church's permission for example I did fairly recently a marriage between a Roman Latin Catholic and a Jewish gentleman and that is a valid marriage within the in the eyes of the church but it is not a sacrament because obviously the other party is not validly baptized right but it is a valid marriage so father with that valid marriage but it's not sacramental for the catholic are they still uh, in good standing with the church to be able to receive communion, to be able to go to the sacrament of confession, just the normal ex expectations of a Catholic? Absolutely. The Catholic Party calls upon the church. The church's desire is that all people share our faith. Let's, let's not even dance around this one. Right, sure. The church calls all people to know Jesus Christ. And, in fact, for a Catholic to marry a non-Catholic they have to sign a promise stating that they will continue the practice of their faith and they will do everything they can to raise their children in the practice of that faith. Right. And the non-Catholic gets asked that as well because I <laughs> I remember being that non-Catholic as we were having our marriage convalidated. We had that happen before I ever came into the church. So yeah, it, it was basically to the best of my ability and my understanding, even though I'm not Catholic, do you agree to raise your children within the church and and yeah right. it's it's a serious question that you have to think about and you have to consider but um, but no that that is something that happens there when you go through that process uh, father we need to take a quick break but let's come sure. back to some more phone calls a lot of people wanting to talk with you again our phone number here if you'd like to speak with father Ramil Fajardo 
Yeah, the phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. As today here on The Inner Life, we're talking about marriage, understanding what makes a sacramental marriage, also the annulment process, receiving that declaration of nullity. And you're welcome to call in with your questions at 888-914-9149. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive hundreds of your phone calls every day, all thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester today, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, today joined by Father Emil Fajardo, a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He's a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal dealing with those questions of whether a marriage is sacramental or not, receiving a declaration of nullity if it's not a valid and sacramental marriage, and also taking your phone calls today, 888-914-9149, Father, mentioned it right at the very beginning of the hour, but um, you're also the director of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini in the Chicago area, and you've got a very special event that's going to be happening coming up, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, October the 15th. Can you tell us a little about what's happening there? Absolutely. On October 15th, Saturday, 12 noon, at Holy Name Cathedral in downtown Chicago, we will be unveiling a new statue of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, our first American citizen saint, patroness of immigrants, and also a, a, a very dedicated woman towards education and health care, all topics that are pretty big in the news these days and uh, a real encouragement for for us as Catholics for the new uh, continuing of the new evangelization the needs are great so on Saturday October 15th 12 noon at Holy Name Cathedral uh, we will be unveiling a brand new statue and the installation of a major relic uh, a reliquary in the cathedral proper itself and okay, so okay. a fragment of bone from Rome that's beautiful. And if somebody wants to learn more about it, if they want to attend, uh, what do they do? If they want, if people want to attend, please jo- uh, join us. Visit the website for Holy Name Cathedral. Org, or go to the National Shrine of Saint Francis Xavier Cabrini in Chicago. And on both websites, you will see a, uh, a QR code to sign up and join us uh, on on the 15th. Beautiful. Uh, Father, let's get back to the phones here as today we talk about marriage, as we talk about those declarations of nullity when a marriage is not valid, not uh, seen in the eyes of the Catholic Church as a valid marriage. And again, our phone number here, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Grace calling in from Hanford, California. Grace, you're on the air with Father Ramil. Hi, um, Father Vermeld. Um, I have a question. Good morning. Um, my husband and I were married in 2016. I was, um, in the past, I was married uh, through the church. I got an annulment. My husband was married in Las Vegas. Um, he is a Catholic. I don't know if his ex-wife was um, baptized or anything really about her. So is our marriage, uh, we did get our marriage um, uh 
we went to the church and got our marriage, uh, a sacramental marriage um, mm-hmm. in 2016. So, are we in a valid marriage? Okay. I don't... <laughs> Again, as I've said before, it's very difficult to judge it based on a simple phone call. Uh, I, I encourage anyone who has questions to please visit with their pastor and to contact their local tribunal because circumstances okay. are different. However, right. again, if you were married in the church and there was the pre, what we call the prenuptial investigation, the, the church and the pastor would discover the prior marriage. And, and actually, you know, thank you, Grace, for giving me an opportunity. I want all of our listeners to understand something. This is not being, people are not being judged by a declaration and nullity process. This is not talking about whether, and, and I've heard it. I'm not saying that you're saying it, but I've heard people say, well, I feel like, you know, they're saying I'm a good person or a bad person. No, 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 not at all. This is a healing ministry for people who want to know, I engaged in a prior marriage. Is this a valid marriage? So we're only answering one question. Was the consent made a valid consent that raises it to the level of a sacrament? It's not to say that, you know, um, th- that it's a, that you're bad people, because I do hear that. It's really kind of, kind of um, disheartening when people have such draconian impressions of what a declaration of nullity process is. It is, a, it is a ministry of healing, and we're just answering one question. Were the consents valid consents? Now, going back to your situation, Grace, you had mentioned that your, your husband had had some sort of prior marriage in Las Vegas. I'm guessing that if he did not have the church bless that marriage, then, therefore, it was an invalid marriage and something that the church could declare null from the very beginning. So, if you got married in the church, I believe that you got your marriage convalidated uh, appropriately. Yeah. Well, and as Father Emil said, you know, talk with your local parish priest about this, um, you know, because that really is the question. You know, yeah. is, is that marriage your husband had in Las Vegas? Was it ever recognized by the church? It might be something that you can find out fairly simply. So I, I hope that helps, Grace. Uh, Father, one of the other things is you're talking about this, you know, there can be kind of this judgmental attitude that comes mm-hmm. across. Uh, one thing that I've heard in my past is there's this this sense that, well, if you're saying that the marriage never really took place, that there never really was a marriage sacramentally. Well, Mm -hmm. what does that say about the children? Are the children illegitimate? Is there, you know, something? Again, I I think it's important to recognize there is, there's two components to this. You know, we're talking about a sacramental marriage, but there's also the civil marriage that's recognized by the government. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the idea that any child would be viewed illegitimate is... That, that's very problematic just at its core. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, I was wondering when it would come up. Uh, let me just repeat very strongly. The idea of illegitimacy is an old concept that came up in the church's history when the nobility and the ruling classes had to divvy up inheritances. So in order for someone to inherit a throne or a kingdom or a, or, or a duchy, you had to know who was the firstborn. And so therefore, 
inheritance laws became all about who was a legitimate child. That's not our issue. Yeah. Children are a gift from God. So, first and foremost, friends, let's not worry about the legitimacy, illegitimacy aspect. Those are that's a, that's a historical consequence, and it is not the issue in a declaration of nullity. Father, uh, email question coming in here from Lynn, and she says, "My ex-husband and I divorced in 2004. We bo- both moved on in 2015. He passed away. The church wasn't notified." I didn't remarry. What must be done if I were to remarry? Okay. If uh, if she were to remarry, simply uh, proving that your your husband has died, has is now deceased, again, the bond is until death. So all you need to do is provide proof of his passing, and that should that's that is satisfactory for uh, for a new marriage. Excellent. That, that's that's maybe the simplest answer we've had yeah, so death far. death to us part, <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left. Let's try and get one more phone call in here. Ray is calling in from Boston. Ray, welcome to The Inner Life. I uh, wanted to get you on before we have to wrap up the hour. Yeah, so, you know, in a racial marriage, and uh, just we're, we're going through some tough times. And just from my perspective, so we were married uh, by a rabbi, and as a result of that, you know, we've, uh, you know, I, I, I still have my own beliefs in Jesus and all that through my side of the family. But, uh, you know, as we come through this, what are the obligations that I have to, uh, I guess, my wife from a Judaism perspective? And it's a little complicated, but... Uh, you know, what, uh, you know, our, our kids are, you know, they're going to be, uh, you know, they're they're kind of raised that way, right? Ray, we've you, only you, got you, about a minute left here, and I want to let Father respond to you. So it sounds like this is a marriage that, and Ray, just for clarification, are you Catholic? Uh, no, I'm Protestant. Okay. All okay. right. All right, Ray, the most important thing is whichever Christian um, ritual church that you belong to, follow follow your faith, first and foremost, reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ. And second of all, since you, uh, since you are married to a Jewish woman, remember that as, uh, as an obligation, you love her and you take care of her as God would have you do. But... Again, your faith is a very precious faith. You're by by baptism, presuming that of course that as a as a ritual church you are validly baptized. Love the Lord, because our Lord wants Him to be known, and this is something that you can do in your marriage to your wife, by loving her, serving her, and and taking care of the kids. Be Christ to her. Jesus wants others to know Him. So, in your mixed marriage, love your wife very much. Love your kids very much. Be Christ. Thanks for the call, Ray. Thank you for all of you who did call in, and I apologize, those of you still holding, that we didn't have a chance to get you on the air. Father, the hour just goes too fast almost every (laughs) single day. Uh, We've got about 15 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? 
Through the intercession of St. Faustina Kowalska and blessed Francis Xavier Silos, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Ramil, and we'll talk with you sometime soon here. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And I hope you can join us tomorrow on The Inner Life. We're going to be talking about the peace of Christ, what that means. Well, we say that every time that we go to Mass, right? The peace of Christ be with you. What do we really mean when we say that? We'll talk about that tomorrow here on The Inner Life. Have a blessed afternoon.